Can the church say praise the Lord? It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap. Let's make our webcast audience feel welcome to the church in the balcony. Thank you for being in the house in the middle of the week to get your dose of word and get your praise on so that you can praise the Lord. He uh, inhabits the praises of his people. And we were studying today about worship. And, you know, um, the devil has always wanted worship, wanted worship that belonged to God. And so um, that is the trick of the devil is to get our worship sidetracked. And uh, Jesus even looked at some folks and said, uh, you know, your worship is in vain because your lips and your mouth are doing the praising and worshiping, but your heart is way, way, way far from me. Amen. So uh, just because we may be worshipers don't mean our heart is in it. So I wonder if we open up with prayer tonight, if we can uh, ask the Lord to help us put our heart into it. And uh, we will try our best to give him all of us. Um, we want to remember uh, some things coming up. The CAC Christmas Ornament Exchange is coming up Friday, December the 1st at 7 p.m. That's this Friday, so keep that in mind in the dining room. And also a men's meeting the first Monday of the month, and it will be December the 4th uh, this month. And so uh, we want to remember that at 6 p.m. Also, uh, we are going to be having our... Um, Christmas program, Sunday, December the 10th at 6 p.m., and then also they're getting ready to take the youth to Archer Park, and that is going to be Friday, December the 15th, and the band will be leaving here at the church at 5 p.m. Also, our Christmas party at the community center uh, has changed. Uh, they had uh, an overbook, and so they had to switch it. And it's going to be December the 21st, uh, 6 to 8 p.m. So mark that on your calendar. And uh, that will be a great time for everybody just to get together. And uh, also we want to remember our New Year's Eve celebration coming up. And that's going to be on a Sunday night, December 31st, 9 p.m. to after midnight. And so we're looking forward to that. Also we want to remember some prayer requests uh, we want to remember uh, Selena Bryant, Skyla Charles, Joyce Justice, Charles Wolford, Karen Fuller, Stephanie Evans, Scotty Belcher, Stephanie Casey, Lakin and Eli Polly, and Dwayne McCoy. And if you have a prayer request you'd like to make known just by the raising of your hand, the Lord sees that. He knows what that represents. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come before your presence, and we come before your presence, Lord, with our whole heart. Lord, we ask that you would bless us, Lord, as we have gathered here tonight, that we will worship you with true worship. We will praise you with true praise. Lord, I pray that you would move in a mighty way for each and every one that is gathered here tonight, that you would just touch each and every one. Some may feel sick in body. Others may be weak and tired. But, Lord, we know that you can give them a touch tonight. 
I pray, Lord, that you would move in a mighty way for all of those on our prayer list, all of those, Lord, in the nursing home, hospitals at home, wherever they may be, Sister Shauna's sister, Lord. I pray that you would touch her, and I pray, Lord, that you would touch her family, and I pray, Lord, that you would touch the requests, Lord, that was given for that family in Tennessee that needs uh, deliverance and healing and comfort during this time. Lord, I pray that you would bless the singers, the musicians, bless everything that's said and done, that you would get the praise, the honor, and the glory in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap. As they lead us in worship, get ready to lead us in worship. We want Brother Caleb DeBarge to come at this time and give us five minutes with Timothy. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a great hand clap of praise. He is great and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. Sometimes we agree with what the preacher is saying by saying amen, and sometimes we just worship because we know what the preacher is truth. It's what the preacher is saying is truth. Amen. I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord. Would you turn to your neighbor or someone around you and say, thank God he's mine. Oh, come on. We can do better than that. We're in a live church. Say, thank God he's mine. Amen. We're here because he is ours. We're here because we are blessed. Amen. Tonight, we're going to find ourselves in James chapter 1 and verse 17. And it says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. If you would, join me right now as we go before the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come before you today because we understand you are our help. We understand you are our refuge. We understand that you are our love, our peace, and our joy. God, whenever we desire, we should desire you. Whenever we long, we should long for you. God, we thank you for coming into this place today. We ask that you would begin to move in this place in a mighty way. And the church said amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. As I begin to read this scripture, said that the God that sends the good gifts, the God that sends the perfect gifts, and every gift that is good and perfect comes from above. That God has no variableness. Church, what that means to me is that he never changes. He is the God that does not change. The God that blessed me whenever I was a young child. The God that blessed me just this morning. The God that's going to bless me in the furthering of my walk in my ministry. That is the same God. And I can put my faith in him, trusting that every single morning his mercies are renewed. Come on, I'm not talking to a dead church, am I? I'm not talking to a church that just showed up because they're obligated to, am I? I know we come, out, we come here on Wednesday nights especially, and we're tired. We're exhausted. We've made it through another week. We've made it to another midweek service. I have been the one that is satisfied with just making it to church. I have been the one that is just satisfied with saying, well, I, I showed up and I had church. I never want to be that individual ever again. And as long as I'm focusing on myself 
And as long as I'm focusing on me never being that individual again, and if you as an individual in Christ will do the same thing, we will be a church together that is never satisfied with a status quo service. Whenever we come here and we're able to recollect and remember the best service we've ever had, the best praise that we've ever put forth, the best worship we've ever brought before the Lord, and we're able to remember that, thinking that was the best I've ever worshipped, that was the best I've ever praised, and yet you don't try and exceed that every single service. Are we saying that the altar of the Lord is contemptible. That's scripture. Are we offering polluted bread unto the Lord? When we come to the house of the Lord, we have to give our best, better than the service before, better than this service. Next time I show up, I want to do better than tonight. Why? Because he's never changing. So the, the, the worship that he's worthy of, the praise that he's worthy of, it never changes. He is worthy because he doesn't change. I know we are humans. Our situations change, but our worship should never change. Our worship is not situational. Our worship is desired. Our worship, he is worthy of. And that doesn't change. Let's stand to our feet and begin to worship the Lord as the praise team comes tonight. Search the world, but he couldn't feel me. Man's empty praise, treasures that fade are never enough. Then you came along and put me back together.
to come. We're going to take up tonight's offering. Give us the Lord blesses you. And I know that uh, whatever you give, the Lord is going to exceed that. It may not be money. It may not be material possessions. But you're going to receive something far greater. Lord, we come before your presence. We thank you for this opportunity. You blessed us, Lord, to give in the offering. I pray, Lord, that you would bless us as we give tonight, that you will take what we give, multiply it, and use it, Lord, and get glory from it. And, Lord, we're going to give you the praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.
Adam was nothing more than a house of clay laying on the ground until the Lord breathed the breath of life into him. We were just merely houses of clay walking on this earth until the Lord filled us with his spirit. The Holy Ghost is nothing more than the breath of God. Amen. The Spirit of God. When the sound came through the upper room like a mighty rushing wind, filled all the house where they were sitting. That was the breath of God blowing. Amen. I'm glad to know that he is still breathing in people today. I'm glad to know that there's life in his presence. I'm glad to know that he is our help and our hope. I'm glad that uh, he has came to our rescue more times than we can count. He's been to our rescue. Amen. Just spared Brother Jimmy Dove this past week as a, a vehicle T-boned him in the side. And, uh, and him and the vehicle both landed in places that vehicles shouldn't be landing in but the Lord kept his hand upon brother Jim amen amen I'm glad I'm glad that uh, I didn't get a call that he was in the emergency room the funeral home or some other bad thing I'm glad that he's here on a Wednesday night to give God glory amen amen praise the Lord I want to talk to us tonight, uh, we're in our lessons of having revival, and we're having revival, but we're also uh, realizing that some of the things that we're all uh, experiencing revival uh, in, uh, it's time to dig a little deeper and find out how we can uh, retain revival. You know, it's not good enough just to have revival. If you have revival, then all of a sudden it dwindles away then you say, well, that was a good time or that was a good revival. I want it to remain and retain revival. Not only did God choose Moses, but Moses chose God. And that's the thing that we all have to learn about serving the Lord. He chose us first. We don't love him because he, you know, uh, we first loved him. He first loved us. And that's why he chose us. So uh, we love him because he first loved us. And he chose us to be a chosen generation, to be a chosen people. Aren't you blessed to be chosen of the Lord? Amen. And I would like to say that I want to choose Jesus. I know a lot of times when people are dating and get married, they say, I chose you. And, and you chose me, and you're saying literally that it had to be a two-way street or the choice wasn't much. Uh, so I'm glad that the Lord chose you, and I'm glad that you chose the Lord. Just think about it, and I'll let you sit here in just a moment, but let's read just a few verses in Exodus chapter 2 and verse number 11. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, everybody say grown, Grown, uh, that he went out unto his brethren and looked on uh, their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew, one of his brethren. 
And he looked this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together. And he said unto them uh, that did the wrong, uh, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. And verse 15, And when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelled in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. He just sat down by a well. Sometimes the greatest places you can sit is not in the comfort of a chair, the comfort of a home. Sometimes it's a place that is like a well. You just sit down where you can get refreshed. You got to sit down where you can get restored. You see, sometimes all, the, all it takes is sitting by a well to get something from the Lord. Amen. So I want to talk to us uh, today, and I want us to just think about this. Uh, what he hid in the sand was the body of a, of a dead person. And um, he uh, was seeing two of his uh, brethren and two of the uh, uh, people that he was now part of fighting with one another and uh, Egyptians smiting a Hebrew and and uh, so he looked this way and he looked that way and he made sure nobody's looking. And that's the first mistake. When you try to cover up what you're doing and think nobody sees you, think again. There's people always looking. There's always somebody who will see you in your sin. And uh, that's why the Bible says, be sure your sins will find you out, right? So we want to have revival, and we want to just talk about not only the choice that Moses made, but God chose Moses, but Moses also chose God. And I just want to talk to us about what choice are we going to make. Let's pray. Lord, we come before your presence. We thank you. We give you honor. We give you praise. We thank you, Lord, because you have allowed us to be gathered here. You've allowed us, Lord, to gather once again to study your word. I pray, Lord, that you would just guide us on every side, that everything we say and do will be rightly dividing the word of truth, expounding your word fully, teaching and preaching things that will inspire your people, things that will help your people. Lord, I pray that you would move in a mighty way here tonight as we give you the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. Let's give the Lord another mighty hand clap. And you may be seated. Looking at um, this portion of Scripture, we see uh, Moses is um, grown now. He's no longer a young person. He's no longer um, a child. Remember when he was a child that he was picked up by the waters uh, by Pharaoh's daughter. And so now he's no longer that little child in a bulrush. He's no longer that little 10-year-old running through the palace and making all sorts of noise. He's no longer that teenager that 
may have been a, just a little bit rebellious even in Pharaoh's house. But now he is grown. And when he began to see something unfold that um, his brethren had, um, he wanted to look on their burdens and he looked on their burdens and spied an Egyptian. Um, you know, Moses is not an Egyptian even though he, he is raised in an, an Egyptian home. I want, I want to tell us we're not of this world even though we're in this world. We're like Moses. Everybody say, we're like Moses. We're like Moses. We're in a place, but we're not of that place. Moses was in the palace, but he wasn't of the palace. And uh, so he saw and looked, and there was a man uh, that, uh, that was there, and uh, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. He buried him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together. And now he begins to try to break them up and, and uh, ask them, why are you smiting and fighting and, and uh, you know, doing each other wrong? And uh, then one of them just looked at him, and this must have really hit home to Moses. This must have really hit hard in Moses' emotions. Because they simply asked the question, uh, you know, uh, will you smite us like you did thy fellow? Are you going to kill one of us like you killed the Egyptian? You see, when you begin to unfold this story, you begin to see that Moses wasn't always in the right in the way he handled things. But we understand that Moses had made a mistake and now he thought that he was going to break up this fight and everything was going to be all right and everybody was going to go home and live happily ever after. And they just simply asked him, you know, are you going to kill one of us or kill us like you killed uh, thy fellow? And he said, uh, who made a thee a prince and a judge over us Intendest thou to kill me as thou hast killed the Egyptian? And Moses feared. You see, exposure to sin will bring fear in your life. All you got to do is go back to the garden when Adam and Eve was in the garden and sin had entered into their life. Fear entered in to their hearts. Because at every other time they ran out to meet with God, communed with Him as He met them in the cool of the evening. The Bible says the voice of God came in the cool of the evening and came walking in the cool of the evening. I've never seen a voice walk, but that voice walked. And I believe that we understand that when uh, Adam and Eve had sinned, fear came upon them and they hid themselves. And we understand they hid themselves because of shame, but it was also because of fear. We understand that, that shame and sin, uh, sin brings shame and sin brings fear. And we see here that Moses feared. Didn't say he was ashamed, it just simply said he feared. And when he was afraid, he began to run away. And he began to leave because he said, surely 
this thing is known. Now, when Pharaoh heard this, Pharaoh was going to kill Moses. I have a feeling, and this is just the first chapter of my mind, I have a feeling that Pharaoh always hated Moses, was always looking for Moses to make a mistake, always looking for a reason to kill Moses, take him out, get him away from the palace, because every time he looked at Moses, he had to be reminded of the Hebrews. A Hebrew in my palace. A Hebrew in my kingdom. A Hebrew that shouldn't be here is now here. Now I would like to say this, that sometimes the devil is out to kill and steal and destroy but they would be nothing better for the devil to take you out. And some people said, well, the devil can just take me out anytime he wants to. No, he can't. He has to go to the Lord and ask permission for it. He can even bring any sickness on you. Amen. Amen. So uh, looking at this, I began to think of how Moses feared and Pharaoh then wanted to kill Moses. And Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian and sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. And the shepherds came and, and drove them away. But Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. Now you've got to understand how barbaric these people were. Here these women came to draw water, to pour in a trough, to water their father's flock. And what does the enemy do? Shows up and, and begins to run them off and begins to, uh, you know, just try to take over and, and try to keep them from watering their herds or their, their animals. And so the, the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. We've got to stand up in this day for what is right. We're living in a world that's standing up for everything wrong. Right now in New York City, around Rockefeller Center, around the Christmas tree that they're getting ready to light if they haven't already lit it up, is all sorts of pro-Palestine marchers and protesters. And... Uh, these are young people who have been radicalized in their ideology. They're not, they're not picking up weapons, but they picked up the weapon of the mind. And so these are going to be the young people that's going to be in charge of government, charge of companies, charge in charge of other things in our country. And... Some people say, well, you know, the U.S. will never get into a place where it will always just uh, uh, have so much uh, uh, radical stuff going on that people with common sense won't be able to prevail. Think again. Because we have already seen in a generation, just a few generations, but especially this past generation, of people that their ideas are totally different than what your ideas are. When you begin to talk to people today, there are people that embrace Hamas. 
And, uh, you know, Hamas is nothing but brutal animal killers, barbaric people. Now, you don't have to be a friend of Israel to say that. It's just a fact. But we find that because the U.S. is now supporting Israel, we have had, I don't know, the last count I looked at was 74, but I think I heard 80 uh, attacks upon our troops. Do you think that's right? Just let people just throw rockets at your children, grandchildren? Brother Larry, when you was in Vietnam, if somebody had tried to lob a rocket in the middle of camp, do you think they would have sat around and said, well, you know, they're just expressing themselves. Let's don't get too bent out of shape. They would have called in the helicopters and the jets and the bombs and they would have bombed them off the map. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying we live in such a time that the, the thinking of people has changed. And, and it's not just in government. It's in schools, grade school, junior high, high school, colleges, universities, and churches. 50, 60 years ago, it wasn't nothing to say, everybody's got to live holy. And everybody said amen. And it wasn't too long ago that you could say that if you don't live right, uh, then you're not going to make it to heaven. But now ideas have changed. Because now people think they can do less and still get in. That they can live less. After all, uh, I, I guess they just read the Bible, the parts they want to read. But the Bible says, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. No, nobody's going to see God without holiness. Why? Because he's a holy God. He's a holy God. I believe that we've got to understand we can't change our ideology because of the influences of our day. I, I know churches that used to dress right, stand right, talk right, do right. And now you look at them and you can't tell them from a concert. You can't tell them from the country palace. In fact, you'll see a lot of them at the Country Palace. And you'll see a lot of them at the rock and roll concert because there ain't nothing wrong with listening to that type of music anyway. You see, if we're not careful, we'll be brainwashed. The church will be brainwashed by a people that are so out in sin that they should be ashamed and they should be fearful, but we're living in a time of no fear. But you know what? We have got to stand like Moses. Moses stood up and said, we're not going to let this happen. We're not going to let uh, these people come in and, and uh, take over. And, and uh, you know, uh, shepherds came and drove them away. And uh, Moses stood up and helped them and said, somebody's got to put their foot down. Somebody's got to keep preaching it. Somebody's got to keep standing for right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help some of us. Some that want to go a little on the worldly side, I'm going to wake you up right now. Getting on the side of the world ain't going to help you one ounce in getting into heaven. In fact, you're going to be judged by those sins. You're going to be judged by those things. I know this is not popular, but I'm going to be like Moses. I'm going to stand up and run off the enemy. 
That's right. I'm going to run off the enemy. Because we got to understand that Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. And when they came to uh, Reuel, uh, their father, he said, How is it that ye are come so soon today? And they said, An Egyptian. You see, let me ask you something. Don't you think Moses started dressing like Egyptians? Right? These people that had never seen Moses said, an Egyptian came and helped us. Is that what it says? Now, there had to be some reason that they thought Moses was an Egyptian. Because, uh, you know, uh, when you stay in sin long enough, you're going to start becoming sin. You'll dress like sin. You'll talk like sin. You'll be sin. That's why when they looked at Moses, they said, Well, an Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and also drew water enough for us and watered the flock. How many knows that Moses was not an Egyptian? He was a Hebrew. But he looked like an Egyptian. Now, this can go back to some things in, in our lifestyle and the way we dress and look and act and where we go and where we don't go. And uh, there was times when people could look at Christians and determine they are Christians. There was hardly a time back in the day when somebody didn't see a, a lady or even a man, and they say, where do you go to church at? Why? Because they dressed different. They acted different. They didn't go to these places that people go now. They didn't say, well, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. It's entertainment. Entertainment's going to send a lot of people to hell. It's going to send a lot of people to hell. But Moses must have started dressing like an Egyptian looking like an Egyptian because they looked and they told their father, an Egyptian helped us out. Well, you stay in the palace long enough of sin, you'll start looking like sinners. You hang out with sinful people and you'll start doing sinful things. That's why your best friend shouldn't be in the world, it should be in the church. The people you hang out most with shouldn't be people that are out in the world. They should be people in the church. Amen. Amen. Moses stood up and helped them, and then they said an Egyptian helped us. An Egyptian helped us. I thought this was interesting because Moses looked like an Egyptian. Moses was not an Egyptian. And he said unto his daughters, Where is he? Why is it that ye have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses Zipporah, his daughter. And she bare him a son, and he called his name Gershom. For he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. 
Moses said, we got to name this boy Gershom because I have been a stranger in a strange land. I'd like to help us understand something. Do you feel a little strange tonight? Okay. Do you feel like a stranger in a strange land? Okay. Let me tell you all you that feel comfortable in this world. You better run as fast as you can from it and get to an altar and get filled with the Holy Ghost. Because I'm going to tell you something. If you feel more comfortable in the world, if you don't feel like a stranger in a strange world, oh, I know they're talking this and they're, they're you know, talking all this strange stuff and you got men that want to be women and women that want to be men and you've got children that want to have sex changes and you've got all of this other stuff going on and, uh, you know, we got all this. That's a strange land out there. And if you don't feel like a stranger in a strange land... If I felt welcomed in a strange land, there's something wrong with my spirit. I know we're living in a, in a world that thinks that church is just a, a, a country club we all come to and ease our minds so we don't feel like we're lost. But it's more than that. If your worship is not true, your worship is in vain. If your praise is not real, your praise is in vain. If you're coming to church just to be in a place to gather, then you've come for the wrong reason. You've got to come knowing He is God. He is God. He is God, and I've got to worship Him and serve Him. So, yes, Moses said we're going to name him Gershom because I am a stranger in a strange land. I like that. We have got to be a stranger. In fact, the Bible calls us that. We're strangers and pilgrims. So when people say, y'all dress like pilgrims, go, amen. When somebody says, y'all look like strangers, amen. You know why? They can call me strange all they want to. I feel strange in a strange land. I understand that what's going on in this world is immoral, ungodly, and will destroy, I don't care how strong you think you are spiritually, if you get wrapped up in it, it will devour you. Amen. See, 50 years ago, they, I would have had to took a you know, drink of water to let the praise keep going on. I would have had to probably stood here and looked around while somebody run the aisle about four laps. That was back when I first started preaching. Times have changed. We have truly seen a church world. I, I like what my wife, she found something that somebody had posted and, and she said, let me read you this. said, if, if Paul was in our day, we'd be getting a letter. <laughs> now for nobody that knows what Paul did he wrote letters sometimes of rebuke to churches for being all sorts of crazy stuff incest and other stuff going on and he had to write them a letter so we'd be getting letters amen but you know if you don't feel strange in this strange land today I'm going to have to question your walk with God 
I'm going to have to ask, do you really love Jesus? Because if you truly love Jesus, this world should make you sick. Now, I don't know how many of you all knew Bruce Jenner when he was on the Wheaties box, won all the gold medals. You already look at him now. I'm sorry. Look at her now. <laughs> you see, we're kind of still protected here in East Kentucky because we're hillbillies. Right? We don't put up with foolishness. That's right. We don't put up with foolishness. When people start doing stuff that's, that's crazy and immoral, we call them out and say, you're crazy. Right? <laughs> you don't look at them and say, well, that's just their way of expressing themselves. No. Right's right. Wrong's wrong, and there's no in-between. Amen. 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 I thought about this, that when you, when you look at, at Moses, you know, being identified as an Egyptian, he then gets a daughter, uh, you know, and then he, he marries uh, the daughter of this man, this priest of Midian. And um, when they have their first child, he names this child Gershon, which simply means, I have been a stranger in a strange land. And again, I want to stress this point. If you don't feel strange or like a stranger in this strange land, I pray before this service ends you find an altar. Because the craziness, ungodliness, immorality, all sorts of stuff that's going on, if we're not careful, we'll be drawn right into it and we'll think it's okay. It's, it's just nothing wrong with it anymore. There is no sin. Everybody's saved, right? That's right. Everybody thinks they're saved. Well, on Judgment Day, there's going to be a lot of disappointed people. Because some people's going to say, but I thought we didn't have to do all that. I thought it didn't matter how we lived. I thought it didn't matter where we did what we did. Moses felt like a stranger in a strange land. If it was strange to Moses, what would Moses think if he is in our world today? And it came to pass in the process of time. That the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. And they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. Amen. God's always going to keep his promises. So that's why when he says he'll take care of you, he'll take care of you. That's why when he says he loves you, he'll love you. That's why when he says I'll bless you, he'll bless you. When he says he'll open up the windows of heaven and pour you out blessings, there's not room enough to receive, he'll do exactly that. 
But the question is, since God chose us, are we choosing God? Are we choosing God? God chose Moses, and Moses chose God. It always weakens the testimony of a local church when a member who has not been proven is made a leader in the church. The statement, maybe Jim will attend church more if we make him Sunday school teacher. I've actually heard pastors say that. They said, well, we're going to let this person, you know, get on the platform. They wasn't even repented, wasn't even baptized. We're going to let them get on the platform and play instruments because and maybe that'll keep them coming. When did we start trying to appease sin or sinners just so we can say we can have church? Now, you, that may mean nothing to you, but I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Um, Hamas began to tell Israel the conditions. This is what we're going to do. We're going to release some people, but you're going to release a lot of people. You give us back our criminals, and we'll give you the innocent folk. They began to dictate the terms of the warfare. Well, that don't work. Neither does it work with God. We cannot tell God, God, I'll serve you if you do this for me. Or if you allow me to do this. Or if you won't make me do what you make everybody else do. Jim... May not, I'm not talking about Brother Jim over here. Maybe Jim, that's in, it's in the lesson, by the way. Said maybe Jim will attend church more if we make him Sunday school teacher or a song leader. After all, Jim can sing. Some Jims can. Sometimes what we wind up doing is we start trying to lower the standards of God just so we can get talent. Just so we can get talent. Oh, man, they, they can play an instrument. Man, if we, if we just got them in church, well, why don't we just let them play and sing a little bit anyway? Well, you know what? You're letting a sinner pour into your life. You're letting somebody pour into your life. We need righteous people to pour into our life. Leaders are leaders because God calls them. And because they accept the call, they, the Lord doesn't call them and say, stay the way you are, keep doing your same old stuff, and we don't, we're not going to worry about trying to get you saved or anything. We just like your talent. Here's what happens when you start putting people in positions that don't belong there. Chaos, division, devouring, destruction. All sorts of things start happening and you sit back and you wonder, why in the world can't we win a battle? Why can't we have revival? Why can't we overcome? Why can't we get through our valleys? Why can't we climb our mountains? Why can't we get a blessing that we so desperately need? And you find it all the way back to where we just start lowering 
the standards. They let down the bars, they let down the bars, they compromised with sin. They let down the bars, they let down the bars. All the sheep got out and all the goats got in. Amen. See, preaching like this used to be what people longed for. They didn't want to come to church and be entertained. They didn't want to come to church and have their ears tickled. They wanted to come to church. What, am, what do I need to do to be saved? What do I need to do to make it to heaven? What do I need to do? How can I change my life? How can I change my mind? How can I change what I'm doing? How can I get to that place where I'll hear him say, well done? That used to be why people come to church. It's always a challenge as every generation comes along. The challenge is to let down. I never will forget, you know, when you start a church, it's, it's tough going. You know, anybody that ain't never started a church, and, and I look at all these young ministers out in every organization and they, they want a church that's already ready built, ready made, got a congregation, got everything set up. Let them go dig out a place. Let them go dig out a place and they find out exactly what I'm talking about. Because if you're not careful, what will happen is people will, will, will forget that, uh, you know, when you start trying to build a church... It's rough going. Amen. And you are tickled to death every time a new face shows up. Right? Every time somebody comes to the altar. Woo! Revival. Every time somebody comes from out of town and moves into the area and starts coming to church. Woo! And so you're happy to have new people. We hadn't had our first service at Mouthcard, Kentucky. And some guy walks off the street, and I'm back greeting and meeting and talking to people. And he comes into church. He's got his banjo. He's got his case. He comes up on the platform. He gets out his banjo. Y'all, some of y'all was there, and some of y'all wasn't, but y'all have heard this story before. And he puts on his banjo and he's tuning it. <laughs> and uh, I said, sir, I sure am glad you're here today. He said, thank you. I said, um, I need to talk to you. He said, what do you need to talk about? Go ahead. Down, 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 down. Kept tuning. I said, uh, well, we don't just let anybody on the platform. People that do that do not love God or the people they're pastoring. So I said, we don't let just anybody on the platform. And... Uh, all of a sudden, he quit. And uh, I said, have you been filled with the Holy Ghost? Yeah. I said, well, great. I said, you been baptized in Jesus' name? No. I said, well, sir, 
in order to be on our platform, you have to be baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. Baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, okay. Took his banjo off, put it in a case, slammed it shut, pushed down the latches, picked up his thing. Somebody nodded and said, where are you going? He said, I guess I'm going home. And he kept walking. He got back to the back of the door and he starts doing this. No, he wasn't shouting. He was shaking the dust off, off his feet on me. Because he thought, I'll bring a curse on these people. Little did he know, when God is in control, you can't, you can't curse what God's blessed. You can't curse what God's blessed. So he left. Church went right on. We started baptizing someone every weekend or somebody went to the altar every weekend. We've had people go to the altar since. We've had people get baptized since. We've baptized seven over the past couple of months. I'm telling you, when God's in the arrangement and you hold up the Word of God and you stand upon the Word of God, that's when revival comes. Revival always breaks out when there is obedience. Somebody shout obedience. Obedience. Well, you know, if you're not obedient, you can't be used of the Lord because uh, obedience is something that you got to, uh, you know, the Bible, Jesus even began to talk uh, that if you love me, keep my commandments. It's, it's simple. The, the criteria has not changed. To be used of the Lord has not changed. He don't just call anybody with any toward past and put them in as preachers and leaders and all of that. There's expectations written in His Word that tells us if you don't meet this right here, chapter and verse, then you can't do it. But yet we are living in a land that is putting everyone behind the pulpit. If they got a smile... And all their teeth are straight. Let them preach to us. <laughs> if they can sing and stay in key, let them sing to us. If they can play and stay in tune, let them play to us. Next thing you know, we find nothing more than just sin running rampant. Read your Bible. It is a fascinating book. Every time I read the Word of God, I find why God is so strict. Because every Egyptian that beat up on a Hebrew, why would we want to be like the Egyptians? Every person in the world that wants to beat up on you because you live holy, and you've been baptized in Jesus' name. And you've been filled with the Holy Ghost. Why would we want to embrace their philosophies? The Bible means what it says and says what it means. It's forever settled in heaven. I can't change it for you. You can't change it for me. Right? Nobody can change it. Nobody can change it. And if you, if you try to cut slack for family, 
God ain't got no use for you. If you try to cut slack for friends, you're just wasting your time. You know I have to preach to my family just as strict as I preach to you? That's right. That's right. Because if you love the Lord, you will preach His Word. You will stand for His Word. But a leader, sometimes when we look at the people that were called, the 12 disciples, the people that were called afterwards, the followers, the leaders, the preachers, the evangelists, all of these people, they were faithful men who were willing to leave everything to follow Jesus, to leave everything to do the work of the Lord. We're living in a day of convenience. Man's choice now is, I will follow, but first, you're to read your Bible. One said, I, I, I married a wife and I can't come. And he said, well, just stay home. And then another one said, well, I bought some land and I got to go see it. I've got some oxen. I got to prove them. Well, go ahead. It's a free world. Go ahead to your farm. Go ahead to your oxen. But I'm looking for people to follow that's willing to forsake it all. Leave it all. You see, that's why leaders are few and far between. That's why many are called and few are chosen. Is because there's very few that really want to lay it all down and follow Jesus. Oh, I know that's not popular, but I, I, I'm not in this for popularity. And, and I'll just, until I die or retire or whatever. Or retire dead. <laughs> I'll, I'm still going to stand for truth. I'm still going to stand for the Word of God. You're still going to hear this preaching because this is God's way, not Richard McKinney's way. And if we're not careful, we'll think that it just because it's different than what some other church of the same faith does, that it must be okay. Now let me tell you something. There's a lot of people that's been baptized in Jesus' name that are living... Will have gate trouble. Some churches that decided, well, in, in order for us to have a, a congregation, we got to, you know, let down. That's man's choice. That's, that's not God's choice. God wants you to live right. God wants you to live clean. God wants you to live holy. He wants you to live according to His Word. So by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with everybody else, the people of God, rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Moses decided, if I'm going to make it, yes, I was raised in Egypt. I was in the palace. I had everything I ever wanted. I had the best chariot of all the teenagers in my school. I had the best house to live in. I had most money uh, to go anywhere I wanted to travel. But when Moses came of age, grew up, he said, I refuse all of that 
Because I want to suffer with the people of God. I've got to serve the one that called me, that chose me. God chose you, and you need to choose God. God's choice and our willingness actually create an interlocking relationship. People can serve only if they are chosen of God. And God can use only those who choose to dedicate themselves to the service of the kingdom of God. The call is to whosoever will. Aren't you glad for that? It's anybody, anywhere, anytime can be called of the Lord. But once you're called, you don't stay the same. You don't keep doing the same things. You've got to come out and you've got to be separate and you've got to start doing the things that please the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. Whosoever is thirsty, let him come. Whoever wants to, come. Let him take of the water of life freely. I'm glad it don't cost money. It just costs me to change my ways. It costs me to have to walk away from who I was and what I used to be. What I used to be, I ain't no more. Places I used to go, I don't go no more. Oh, it's tight, but that's all right. I'll drink water on you. The call to discipleship is as strong today as it was in the last words of Joshua. Whoever's on the Lord's side... Come over here. Don't you, it, isn't it amazing how separation is from Genesis to Revelation? Because when, when Adam and Eve sinned, they couldn't stay in the paradise of God anymore. They got separated. Sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from God. Sin will keep you from getting the Holy Ghost. Sin will keep you from getting a blessing. Sin will keep you from coming to church and being happy. Because sin is always eating at you because you feel like that, well, you know, nobody knows what I've been doing. Nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody knows what I'm up to. But God sees. And somebody's going to call you out about the time you look at somebody and say, you're straighten up and live right. They're going to say, what, like you? When I saw you the other night? That's, that's what happened to Moses, by the way. Are you going to kill me like you killed that Egyptian? Huh, you saw that, huh? And Moses did this before he killed the Egyptian. There was an old singer a long time ago. I don't even know who 
who sung it when I first got in church. And it was just, there's an all-seeing eye watching you, watching you. There's an all-seeing eye watching you. Pardon? Roy Jones. There you go. Great-grandpa. Is that right? Great-great-grandpa. My great-grandpa. See, y'all don't know. I was, I was adopted into Tennille's family. That's right, Sister, Sister Laura adopted me and my wife. That's right. Every time I see Sister Tennille's mom over at the courthouse, I say, Hey, Sister, how you doing? She told somebody over there the other day, she said, There's my brother. That one, I mean, it just like you could hear the ink pen scratching across the desk, like, That's your brother? She said, Yeah. I'm adopted. I love Sister Laura. She was a precious lady. There's an all-seeing eye watching you, watching you. There's an all-seeing eye watching you. I'm glad that we have an all-seeing eye watching us because nothing's hid. And because nothing's hid, there's no use to try to lie our way out of it or cheat our way out of it or try to deceive our way out of it. it. It is what it is, right? It is what it is. It's like being caught robbing a bank and the police put the handcuffs on you and you're standing there saying, but wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, you didn't see me rob it. You just got called to come and arrest me. You see, it don't matter what we think is seen and not seen. God wants us to live right. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this. God wants us to come to church with praise on our lips and worship in our heart. And He wants us to love Him with all of our mind, soul, strength. He wants us to love Him when we wake up in the morning and go through our day and and lay our head down at night. He wants us to love His Word. He wants us to embrace His Word. Oh, Your Word, Lord is like honeycomb when I eat it it's sweet to my lips Lord there's nothing better than you Lord there's nothing greater than your word Lord there's nothing more important than me measuring up to your word because on that judgment day when we stand before him it's not going to be because we was good buddies with the pastor it's not going to be because because we attended a church that could care less of whether people lived right or not. It's going to be because we have loved His Word and kept His commandments and said, I'm going all the way with Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Preparation for leaders, preparation for saints of God. We all are preparing, right? We're preparing for the coming of the Lord. And uh, I want to be ready. I want to hear him say, well done. He called his disciples and his disciples, some were fishermen. They dropped their nets and followed him. Others were of different vocations and they left and followed him. But there came something that really was interesting to me as I studied the word of God 
that after everything was said and done and, you know, Jesus is buried and all of this and time just seems to go on and now things have changed. Jesus ain't walking with them and all these things. And, and one of the disciples just said this. I'm going fishing. Wouldn't it have been something if somebody had looked at him and said, but wait a minute, Peter. You quit fishing when you followed Jesus. Why do you want to go pick back up what you laid down to follow Jesus? And then I read in another scripture that says, if I pick up that which I've laid down, I make myself a transgressor. So don't come to me 50 years down the road and say, well, I don't see nothing wrong with that anymore. If it was wrong 50 years ago, if it was sin 50 years ago, it's still a sin today. Oh, I love the Lord. I'm not self-righteous. I'm not high-minded. I know I am weak and got mistakes and fall short so many times. But every day I wake up, Lord, I want to do your word. Lord, I want to eat every line. I don't want to just eat bread. I want to not try to live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Oh, I love the Lord. You know, preparation includes submission. Submission to God's will. That's really what worship is. Worship is just simply submission. When you submit yourself to God to worship Him, you're actually submitting yourself before you can worship. You are submitting yourself to God and then resisting the devil. Right? Submission is the first part of repentance. You come and submit to the Lord and then start asking for forgiveness. Lord, I'm sorry I haven't kept your commandments. I've broken your word. I've not followed through with what your word says. I've, I've done all these sins and shortcomings and I'm asking forgiveness. That's what repentance is. You've got to know that you've sinned. And if you don't know, I, I hate to tell you, but the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we've all sinned. Look at everybody right now. Just look at somebody and say, you're sinned. You've sinned. I won't say you're a sinner, but that may have changed. So just say, you've sinned. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But that don't mean we keep sinning. You can come as you are, but you can't leave as you are. Amen. I want to close with, with the three periods in Moses' life. He, while he was in the courts of Pharaoh, he had an abundance. There was nothing he lacked. He had an abundance. So number one period in Moses' life, he had an abundance. Number two. The second period of Moses' life was of abasement. On the backside of the desert, his talents were dedicated to God. It was here that 
God taught Moses that he was really a nobody. What would you do if I walked up to you and just said, you're a nobody? You'd get mad, wouldn't you? That's what most people do. Well, who do you think you are? <laughs> We'd be like them brothers of Moses's and kinfolk of Moses that looked at him and said, well, who died and left you, boss? Who left you over us? That's, that's what they was basically saying in, he, in hillbilly language, hillbilly Hebrew. Who died and left you, boss? That's what they was saying. But you see, the second period in Moses' life was God taught him, you're really a nobody. Without Jesus, how many of us can say honestly, not by just cheerleading pastor who's standing here trying to get us to say something, but how many of us can honestly say we are a nobody without Jesus? I am what I am by the grace of God. It's only because of Him I am who I am. So he takes a nobody and takes them away from all of that environment of Egypt and he begins to show himself. Everybody remembers the burning bush, right? Yeah, that bush that was on fire that wasn't consumed. And all of a sudden he's going up and he said, I'm going to check this out. I've been in the desert a long time, and I ain't never seen nothing like this. So he goes up, and he starts to look, and about that time, God speaks to him and says, put off your shoes. <laughs> He'll even make a desert holy. You can't get around God without stepping in holiness. Oh, he made the desert holiness. In fact, he made the journey in the desert holiness because their shoes didn't wear out. Their clothes didn't wax old. Their feet didn't swell. You see, he provided every nutrient they need. Manna from above falling, and they would go out every morning and pick it up. And they look at it, and they say, I don't know what this is. And so they called it manna, which means simply, what is it? So every time they said manna, they were saying, what is it? Manna. What is it? What is it? You see, sometimes when we take the Word of God and we pick it up and we begin to let it go into our inner being and the inner man, and a lot of people says, oh, why, why are you living that way? Why are you talking that way? Why don't you go the same places you used to go? Why don't you act like you used to act? And, and, and they just say, well, what is it that's different with you? What is it? Just say manna. I've been eating manna, manna, eating manna, manna in the desert. By the time they got through the desert, they was tired of manna. It was good enough when they was hungry. I think it's interesting that some things is good enough for some folks when they got a need. <laughs> right? Oh, praise God. 
I've got this happening in my life, Pastor. I got that happening in my life. I, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Well, come to church and let's let's pray through. Okay, I'll be faithful. I'm gonna come to church more, and I, and we'll st- we'll sit on on the 31st of December and say this coming year, I'm going to be more faithful. And then everything starts going right in our life. And when things start going right. Why is it so many people start going wrong? Is that a good is that a fair question? That if if when God starts lining our life out and things start going smooth, why is it time for us or why do we think it's time for us to just set down on God and quit doing what got us the blessing? I don't know about you. But I've had some sickness in my life. I remember the first major sickness I ever had, meningitis. I was ready to leave this world. I wasn't in church. I was ready to leave this world. And anybody ever had a spinal tap? If you haven't, I tell you, it's from the pits of hell. Spinal taps ain't fun. They'd stick a big needle in your spine and start drawing out fluid. Not just once. Not just twice, several times. They got to find out what's going on. But you see, sometimes we we get in a place and and sickness happens and things start going crazy in our life. And and then when we start getting blessed and we start having the Lord work things out in our life and things start to happen, why would I want to right now just say, there ain't no use for me to keep serving the Lord. I'm just going to go and live my own life now. I'm going to start going to places I ain't never been. Do things I ain't never done. Why would I want to turn my back on the only thing that's been good to me my whole life? And that is God. Amen? I don't know about you. I feel I'm, in, I'm amongst, uh, you know, saints of God. I really do. I believe you love Jesus. Uh, if you love Jesus, give him a hand clap. I, I, I believe you love Jesus. I I believe you want to make it to heaven. I believe you want to hear him say, well done. I believe you want to know that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I believe you want to know that. So so I know I'm among friends and and among saints of God that that love each other. and, And I love you and you love me and we love Jesus. We're a big happy family. That's right, we're family. So when I read things like this that happened to Moses, I see what can happen in our lives. That if we're not careful, we will find ourselves with plenty. Don't need to go to church as much. After all, we don't really need to be dedicated as we were. I know people that just, I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know what they're thinking. But I don't know why people don't think they need to be in church anymore. Right? I I don't understand that. I don't understand 
why people think they can kill somebody and it don't take a knife or a gun anymore. You just do it with your tongue. Talk about somebody and kill somebody and hide it in the sand and think that nobody saw you. And then when somebody does call your hand on it, because sooner or later you're going to get your nerve built back up to tell somebody else they need to repent or they need to live right or they need to quit doing that. And then they're going to look at you and say, but wait a minute. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, you just tell them, I am that I am. They will know. Now, how would they know? Because you see, from the very beginning, the children of Israel were to tell their children, there's only one God. Deuteronomy 6 and 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. So they were to instruct them and instill that in them. So now when Moses shows up and tells the children of Israel... Uh, well, Moses, who, who are you to tell us you're going to lead us out? Well, it's not me. I am that I am. Sent me. They knew. They understood. Hallelujah. There's just something about this that begins to stir me because sometimes when we find ourselves going through things in life and we find ourselves struggling, we just still need to know that the I am is still in charge. The one that is above all, through all, and in you all is still in charge. Moses heard it. The children of Israel heard it. And we ought to hear it today that God is still on the throne and I want to live according to his word. I want to do what he says. I've got to make heaven my home. Let's stand as we ask the singers and musicians.